this is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church. Colonel Jamie Braswell speaking today with Teach Us to Number Our Days. Here's the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church praise team and the choir on this Sunday morning worship service, August the 13th. Life ever chose me, there's always been a mystery. All my life I've been told by the Lord.
singing. You may be seated while the choir is singing.
called him a devil Cause he brushed their darkness aside Soldiers called him the king of the Jews And mocked him as he hung and died Pilate called him an innocent man Tried to wash blood off his hands But the crowd called aloud that day Saying crucify that man
All right, y'all go and sit down now. Hey, don't uh, don't sit down before you get your money. Get your money in your hand. Y'all go ahead and laugh at that. That was that was funny. Good to see everybody. Thank y'all for coming this morning. When we get to heaven, the sound systems will work perfectly. Perfectly. <laughs> Amen, Robbie. Amen. Amen. It's time to worship the Lord by giving, and we thank you all so much for your generosity and the offering. I was looking at it again from last Sunday. We appreciate so much your faithfulness, and we ask you to continue worshiping. And as you put your offering in the plate this morning, just say thank you, Lord, for all you've blessed me with. Just worship the Lord this morning as we receive the offering. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity. We ask you, Lord, to bless this offering. Bless it. Uh, Multiply it, Lord. Uh, We want to use every penny we ever receive for your glory. And so, Father, bless this time of worship in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. good to see everybody this morning, and uh, we've got some visitors with us. We welcome you, and I left a piece of paper down here I need, so I'm just going to walk down here and get it. If you look in your bulletin, you will see a um, 
sheet of paper when you open it up that tells you about our guest speaker today. I got to tell y'all something. When I read this resume, I thought that looks just like my resume. It's a biography, it's not a resume. But if I was gonna if I was gonna try to get a job somewhere, I'd just go, just read that, dude. You got to hire me. This man that I'm gonna introduce to you today has a job. I want you to know that. He's not he's not looking for a job. But um, our church uh, have lost has lost two great men in a very short period of time. Uh, brother um, Bill Thornton and Brother Norman Brassel, both of them deacons of the church. And we have spoken often about Brother Bill, and now that Brother Norman has passed, uh, I'm sure we will be referring to him and what he meant to this church. Brother Norman was a quiet, wise man, I was uh, here the first time as your pastor, and he got saved, and when I got back, he was a deacon. When I came back this time, and I, I said, now that's progress right there. That's spiritual growth, and we are going to miss him, and I'm not going to get this family crying and me crying, but uh, I, I knew Jamie a little bit when I was here the first time. I think we've decided he was about nine years old then, and of course, I was only 12, if y'all remember correctly. <laughs> Um, but Brother Jamie felt a call to ministry and thanked the Lord that your pastor at that time was Merrill Davis. And Merrill Davis gave Jamie some wonderful guidance and direction. Uh, and uh, if you'll look um, on the front page, down at the bottom, you will see under the education there, and I was looking at all the, he's got more, he's got so many degrees, he looks like a thermometer, but that's a good thing. He's, uh, his first thing on the list, Brother Barr, is Holmes Bible College, amen? And Brother Barr taught Jamie, is that right? Amen. So we know it's going to be good today. We know it's going to be good. Brother Barr was a teacher professor there at Holmes Bible College and uh, was uh were you were you there when Brother Merle was there? Yeah, so you you got to teach Brother Merle as well as Jamie and other great uh, people who've been called into the ministry and are being very very fruitful at this time in their ministry. And uh, right underneath that is the um, Regent University. Now there's quite a bit of difference in the cultures of those two schools, even though. Theologically, those two schools are very, very close, I would think. And uh, he got his MDiv at uh, Regent University. And you go on to see here his education and the accolades, the awards. You flip it over on the other side, his assignments as a, as a um, person in the Air Force. Underneath, under major awards and decorations, uh, just really amazing um, what he has accomplished. And listen to me, he's one of your boys. How about that, Pine Level Church? He's one of your boys. Amen. Amen. Give yourself a hand. Man, I'm so proud of you. 
I want you to know I'm proud of you. Your church is so proud of you. Have you preached here before? Long time ago. Back when I had hair. Yeah. And uh, Jamie, we love you, man. Uh, we just appreciate you. And Sandra, where are you, girl? There's his uh, wife. I started to say daughter. Stand up, Sandra. Let us see you. Amen. Right there. Behind every good man is a better woman. Amen. Amen. And uh, they've got children and, and uh, grandchildren. And uh, you're too young. Y'all too young to have grandchildren. Um, but, um, Jamie, come on up here, or I'll keep talking about you. Um, chaplain, and look at this, Colonel. Man, if I'd known that, I'd been saluting him the whole time he'd been here. Jamie, I, I, I'm cutting up with you and having fun with you, but brother, this pulpit's yours, and you obey the Lord. And I just told him, sitting on the front row, whatever God leads you to do at the end, however he wants to do it, Y'all cooperate with him, and let's have a good service. Um, it just came. It just came to me uh, the other night uh, while we were getting ready and planning for the memorial service for Brother Norman. It just hit me. Why don't? Because Jamie lives in Colorado, and that's such an ugly state, isn't it? It's just <laughs> terrible. But he lives in Colorado, so I didn't know when would be the next time I was going to get him in here and all of that. So I, I texted him. I said, I know you've got to speak at your dad's memorial. I know that's going to be hard enough for you. But man, would you, would you consider preaching for us on Sunday? And he said, Pastor, I always, if I can, take advantage of an opportunity to speak from God's word. So I want you to welcome your boy, Brother Jamie Braswell. Thank you, Pastor Farrell, and um, thank you, church. Uh, I was thinking about that as I was sitting there on the front pew about how this is my church home. And uh, I was telling my family as we were coming out of the, um, the place that is now your like fellowship hall, uh, how I went to vacation Bible school. I remember lining up on the steps of that old church when before this was built, and lining up for vacation Bible school. I remember living right across the street here in this little center block building on the corner and coming over here for church. And Mama was very faithful to bring us to church, uh, to have us raised in church. And then when Daddy gave his heart to the Lord, uh, us coming together as a family, not always, uh, you know, we all stumble in many ways as we walk with the Lord. But uh, God has been faithful and, and brought our family through. And um, this is our home church. This is the church that I tell people about. That's where I grew up. And uh, many other people have had an impact on my life and, and planted seeds in my life. And God has, you know, other people have watered and God has given the increase. So I thank God for all that he's done. Um, but it's good to be back home. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak this morning, uh, Pastor Farrell. And uh, definitely remember many nights in the altar. Um, just crying and praying, and you know, I really believe those eight, nine, ten years of age here in this altar were formative years in my life, uh, where God was uh, working on me, changing me. And even though there were times where I might have drifted away in my teenage years, He brought me back, and um, I thank God for that. So, 
Um, if you will, turn with me your Bibles to the 90th Psalm, Psalm 90. And uh, as you're turning there, I just want to say thank you on behalf of the Braswell family, on behalf of myself, my mom, Josephine, Arlene, Rodney, all of our families, um, to just say thank you for the love and support that you have given to my family over especially the last seven to eight weeks when Daddy started to get sick after that trip to Mayberry. Um, but his cancer started to come back. His numbers have been up since January, but uh, that's when he really started getting sick and was unable to eat anything and keep it down. But uh, this church has rallied around my family, been there when some of us could not be there, supported us with visits uh, to the hospital, to Kitty Askins, to the home, uh, bringing flowers and food and just your love and your presence being there has been a great comfort to us, and we appreciate it so very much. Um, and we know that this is a this is like a rock in my mom's life, so she looks forward to holding on to this church and being here in the days ahead. But we really appreciate all that you've done. And um, you know, for me, uh, pancreatic cancer is something that's touched my life for the last two and a half years uh, in very significant ways, not only with my dad, but uh, the bishop of the conference that I'm a part of, the Eastern Virginia Conference Redemption Ministries. Uh, our bishop passed away last year so quickly uh, after he was diagnosed in July. He passed away in September, Bishop Dayton Burt. And then my father-in-law, he uh, was diagnosed while we were still in Korea in 2021. And... Um, he was diagnosed in February and passed away at the very end of June. Um, so, so quickly that, that cancer hit our families. We hate cancer, and we hate it for anyone who's experiencing it, uh, but certainly it's something that uh, uh, we have had terrible personal experience with, but we know that God is good and that God, and we believe in the resurrection, so our hope is, is rested and, and settled on that. If you will, turn with me there to Psalm 90, and I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. You might be reading from the NIV or the KJV, so it may sound a little bit different. But the 90th Psalm says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You know, somewhere else James says that our lives are but a mist, a vapor, that appears very quickly and then fades away. Verse 5, it says, You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. A description of how quickly our lives pass. For we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are seventy, or even by reason of strength eighty, yet their span is but a toll and trouble. 
They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you for the days that you've given us here on this earth. And God, now as I try to bring your word to this congregation, I pray that you would touch my heart and my mind and help me to deliver exactly what you'd have me to say. We pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. A couple of months from now, I'm going to turn 53. That means I'm going to be 19,357 days old at that point. There have been 13 leap years since I was born in 1970, which makes the math a little bit difficult, but that's about where it's at. My dad, he lived to be about 31,250 some odd days at 85 years of age. I remember when I was a child and I couldn't wait to become a teenager. After I became a teenager, I couldn't wait until what? Until I turned 15 so I could get my learner's permit and drive with a licensed driver. And once I got my learner's permit, I couldn't wait until... I got my driver's license when I turned 16, so I could drive on my own. When Sandra and I got engaged, I couldn't wait until we got married because life would begin as a married spouse. This year, September the 18th, the Air Force will celebrate its 76th birthday, one of the youngest, not the youngest, service because the Space Force came along and claim that title. We all number our days for various reasons. Some of you might be counting the days before you go back to school, which is very short at this point. Some of us military members, when we go on what's called a remote, we, we start a clock as soon as we hit the ground because on a remote we've got 365 days and we're counting those days down until we see our loved ones again. When I served at Clear Air Force Station, Alaska, and Osan Air Base in Korea, there was a lot of people that were there for just one year. And they had a little app on their phone that they could, we called it the Circle of Doom. Because it was 365 days and it would count down one day at a time. And some days it would make you happy and other days it would make you sad. Because you'd look at it and think, oh, I've only got 300 more days. And then the next day you would look at it and you say, I've got 299 days left. And you'd be, you'd be lamenting how long you had left there at that assignment. Doctors have actually said that the planning and the preparation that goes into a vacation, it gives people as much pleasure as actually going on the vacation because of the joy and the excitement that goes into planning and researching and talking about that upcoming trip. You don't believe me? Do it the next time you plan out a trip. Think about how much joy comes from the idea of that day when you're going to be able to leave. So we all 
for various reasons, are in the habit of numbering our days. I believe that as my dad and others have been diagnosed with cancer, they look to the doctor and they're like, what is my prognosis? How much time do I have left? That's the key fact. That's the key number because they want to think about how am I going to live the days that I have left here on this earth. But you know what? Every one of us ought to be considering that. We, we live as though we have forever left on this earth. And yet all of us, as Hebrews says in chapter 9, it says all of us have been given a day where we've been appointed to die and then face the judgment. The psalm before us is one of the oldest psalms of the Bible. And Moses instructs us to number our days. Because as he described earlier in that psalm, they are fleeting. They're like grass that appears in the morning. And at, by the end of the day, that grass has withered away. It's like Jesus who told us in the Sermon on the Mount that our lives are like a lily that appears and then it fades away. It's like James who said that our life is but a mist and a vapor. It appears for a moment, and then quickly it disappears. Number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We gain wisdom by realizing how brief our life is and numbering our days to make each moment, each hour, each experience, each heartache, each joy bring glory and honor to God. In Psalm 90, verse 12, Moses says here that we're to number our days. Psalm 90 is called a prayer of Moses. It's the, it's the oldest of the Psalms. It is a psalm that laments the days that were wasted in the desert because of their unbelief. It is a psalm that, that thinks back to the days that were wasted because they didn't trust God, they didn't walk with God, and they wanted to go back to Egypt. For 40 years, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness. And before God allowed them to enter the promised land, they wandered because of their unbelief. How many days have we wasted in our lives because we didn't trust God to move forward and take the land that He had promised us? The children of God were at the gate. They were about to be led in to possess the land. And the spies were sent. And two came back and they said... God's going to give us the land. But there were ten others that said, wait a minute, there are fearful people. This is a fearful land. It's frightening to even think about going there. They dreaded it. And to meet the giants, they refused to go over the border. And history was set back 40 years. People, if you don't know this, unbelief is costly. When we choose to not trust God, when we fail to believe God, when we are not able to hold His hand and step forward, even though it's scary, we can cost ourselves the victory that lies ahead. Moses, one of the last survivors of the generation, had left Egypt. He thought of the disappointment that had broken so many brave men's hearts. On himself too, part of the curse had fallen. He had to die outside of the land of promise because of his unbelief in Numbers chapter 34. But the saddest thing of all was that the people themselves were to blame for their disappointment. Sin and unbelief dug the graves in the wilderness. 
The people of Israel had not learned to count each day as precious and to think this day belongs to God and I need to live this day to the glory of God. When Moses struck the rock a second time in Numbers chapter 20, it seemed like a little sin that Moses had committed, but it was his unbelief and failure to treat God as holy that prevented him from entering the promised land. Moses' patience was worn thin by the people's rebellion. He lost his patience and his self-control, and he spoke unadvisedly, and his slip cost him his entrance into the promised land. We cannot tell what a moment's loss of self-control may cost us, but in verses 7-9, through Moses, he looks back everywhere, and he sees the ruin and the hurt that came from sin. He says, we are consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. Verse 8, he says, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We, We finish our years with a moan or like a sigh. We look back on our life and we're like, Because we think about the opportunities lost. We think about the times when we could have had so much more from from God and what He wanted to do in our life if we had just trusted Him and believed Him and moved forward with Him. He says, number your days to gain a heart of wisdom. How many of us can think back over the past year And we think back over the experiences of the past year and how they affected you. How they have hurt you. How they have left wounds in your soul. Think back of the challenge of learning to number our days. To get good at thinking about what we could do for the Lord today. We look at our 401ks and we think, how can I make that money last? How can I make it count for every single day in retirement? How can I use it to the best of our ability? But how many of us think about the precious number of days that God has given us here on this earth and how can we use those days for His glory? Over the past year, you've had sorrow. Did that sorrow leave your heart sweeter and purer? Or did it make you gentler, more patient, more compassionate, more mindful of others? Did it bring you nearer to God? Did it, did it cause you to think of God and His presence more pre- as something more precious? Or did the sorrow hurt you because you turned your back on God and chose to be in that sorrow, in that pain without Him? Did it leave your peace broken? Did it leave your trust in God impaired? Did it leave your spirit vexed and troubled? You were tempted over this past year. Did your temptation make you stronger as you resisted it and overcame the tempter? Or did it leave you longing for the peace of God because you gave in to it? An evil thought resisted and mastered leaves us not only unhurt, but stronger in in the spiritual fiber of our being. Temptations negotiated with and yielded to, they hurt our lives. What has been the effect of the year's temptations on our life? Take the year's business or occupation that you've had. 
How has that affected your spiritual life? Business is not sinful unless it's a sinful business. A right occupation ought always to be a means of grace. Do everything for the glory of God. Even your job, how have you lived out your life? How have you employed yourself to God's glory? Has it been helpful? Has it been strengthening? Has it been example to others? What about your friendships and your companionships? Have those friendships been, have they, have they done something to bring you closer to God? Or have they drawn you away? What marks has a year left on your life? Many of the children of Israel, as they stood there and as they wandered in the desert, they thought about, oh, that God would just let us cross into the promised land. And yet they wandered in the desert for another 40 years because of their failure to trust God, to believe God. Teach us to number our days. What is it to number our days? One way to think about it is to keep a careful record of them. That's a mathematical numbering. Some of us keep diaries. We put everything that we do down in that diary. And that's a good thing. As we pray over it, as we think back about how God has answered prayers, as how God is maybe holding off on a prayer, and then we see how God answered it in the right time. We think about whom we've met and how they affect our lives, the books that we read, but mere adding of days is not the numbering that Moses was talking about here. There are days in our lives that add nothing to life's treasure. And there are days in our lives that leave nothing in the world which will make it better or richer. There are people who live their, their lives year after year and they might as well have never lived at all because simply adding days is not living. You probably know people that live their lives like that and they live it for Friday. They say, thank God it's Friday. Why? Because they want to go out and live their life for themselves and not for anybody else, not for God. If that is all you're going to do with your life, all it does is ends up in a pile of burden and guilt. Why do people not think of the sin of a wasted life? If you saw a man standing by the sea with a handful of diamonds and just taking those diamonds and throwing them into the ocean... You would think that that man was insane. And yet some of us stand on the sea of our life and we're just flinging diamond days one by one into the ocean because we're not doing anything with that day. We're not doing anything to bring glory to God. We're not doing anything lasting for God. Mere, merely eating and sleeping and looking at Facebook and Snapchatting and going on trips that bring us pleasure. It's not really living, it's just existing. Another way of numbering our days is illustrated by the story of a prisoner who when he entered his cell, who went ahead and marked all of the days that he was going to be there, kind of like those military members that go on a remote, and we're just spending that day wiping off one day at a time, counting the days. Some people even seem to live much in this way. Each, each evening they have is just one less day to live. Another day is gone with its opportunities, its privileges, its responsibilities, its tasks. They're gone beyond recall. We can't even remember what we had for lunch, much less what we did for God that day. 
One thing that inspired me about my dad was that until the day that he became unresponsive, he had a sense of humor. There was a kindness. There was a, a lack of complaining. There was, there was a hope, I think, that sustained him knowing where he was going. And he would try to be kind to the nurses and have a sense of humor, even though he knew that his life was numbered here on this earth. If the day has been filled with duty and love and service, it's a page that's written over with pure thoughts and records of gentle deeds, then it's a good day. It's a passing that doesn't need to be mourned over, but it's a passing that we can set in the book and say, Lord, I've numbered this day. Lord, I've made this day count. Lord, I've told somebody about You. Lord, I've brought glory to You through a kind act. Lord, I've given to somebody else. I've served someone else. That day can go in the book. It can be numbered today. But merely to have that day rubbed off of a wall or to have that day ticked off of a calendar with nothing left but idleness and uselessness and selfishness and lost opportunities is a sad numbering. Moses says, number your days for eternity. What is the true numbering of our days? The prayer teaches us. Teach us to number our days aright so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That is so we are to live our lives in such a way that we'll get wisdom from that day. But you say, what is wisdom? Well, the world measures wisdom a different way than the church does. Amen? Job chapter 28, verse 28 says, Behold the fear of the Lord that is wisdom. If we live our lives the way Moses tells us, that we will learn how to fear the Lord in everything. We'll see God's hand in every aspect of life. We'll see that, and that will be wisdom to us. Life's lessons cannot all be learned from books. The lessons that we may set down in books, but only in living can we really put them into practice and get the wisdom and the understanding that comes from it. Again, Job 28, 28 says, And he said to man, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. There's wisdom, but then there's understanding in how to live that out in a pursuit of God. I remember 1 Corinthians 1, 20-30, and this is a long passage, you may want to put up it on the screen, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20-30 Mark this down. It says, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the, the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It has pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. The wisdom of this life is to know God and to make Him known to others. James said in chapter 1, verses 2-4, through 4, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let me tell you something, that's hard. There were many days when I was in Korea, and we spent three years there, that I looked at my life and I'm like, Lord, why are we here? We are separated from family. Every day is tough. We live under the threat of an attack from North Korea. We had Patriot missile batteries outside of the headquarters that I worked in. You don't often have that. You don't see that in the United States where you have Patriot missile batteries ready to go just in case North Korea decides not to launch one into the Sea of Japan, but actually to launch one south. And I wondered, Lord, why are we here? Thank God I had my wife with me for those three years. There was a lot of great things we got to see, a lot of great people we got to meet. We worked. I got to work with Korean chaplains. I got to work with people from other countries, other cultures, and it was a wonderful experience. But there were days when I said, Lord, why are we here? And I just tried to offer that day up to the Lord every single day. Lord, here's another day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to live this life for your glory. And I'm going to do what I know to do is right today and serve you. Colossians chapter 2 verses 2 through 3 says, it's a prayer that Paul prays. That our hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding. And the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell that story about Korea because sometimes we're walking through a valley and we know what God's Word says, but we don't understand what God is working in us to work through us to touch other people's lives and to help us to be able to look back on that experience one day and know that God was there through the valley. As we flew over Afghanistan on my deployment back in 2014, I looked out the window, and that's a God-forsaken land. When you look, it is nothing but desert and dirt and mountains unless you look in the valleys. And there in the valleys, you'll see green. You'll see flourishing. You'll see little rivers that feed a, a garden around those valleys. And someone sings a song today, and it, it talks about this 23rd Psalm and how that it's in the valley is where the Lord is. Because that's where He is in the green pastures leading us by the still waters. It's in a valley, but God is there and He's leading us. And when we look at every single day, we have to remember, I may not feel God. I may not see God. I may not be able to touch God. I may not be able to see what God is going to do 10 days from now or 10 years from now, but God is here with me in this valley and He's teaching me something in it. And we need to number that day in the valley as if God is working in our life because He is. He's working there in our life even though we can't see it, even though we may not understand it in the big scheme of things at that time. There have been so many times where I've said, Lord, please help me to see why we're going through what we're going through right now because I don't know what it is and I don't understand it right now, but I know that two, three, four years from now, I'll be able to see it. I'll be able to understand it, but right now I don't understand it. 
It hurts, but we as parents often have to allow our kids to experience things through experience. We have to let them try things. We have to let them stumble. We have to let them fall. We have to let them make mistakes and, and, and even endure the consequences. They have to go through it themselves. But here's the point. The thought in the prayer is that out of the experience of our days, we may gain a heart of wisdom. We may gain a heart of wisdom. I think about Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 and what he said. And, 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 and I believe this is how we should look to the future. He said, Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Job said that the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. Paul was saying, I'm turning away from everything else because I'm reaching forward, I'm stretching forward because I want to know Christ above everything else. That's, that's wisdom. That's counting your days and numbering them aright. Is counting every single day as a day to grow closer to the Lord, to learn more about Him. If the children of Israel, and this is what Moses, I think, was trying to say, Lord, teach us the number of our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom because we're walking here in the desert. We gave up that day when you wanted to take us into the promised land. But even if we don't cross in, God by faith help us to meet you here outside of the promised land. Paul counted everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. He said in Philippians 12 through 13 verse 12, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. True wisdom, ultimate wisdom, the ultimate goal in this life is to know Jesus Christ. If we're going to count our days, let us do so striving to know more about Jesus who is the power and wisdom of God according to 1 Corinthians 1.24. We're not to stay in our past as one would stay in a prison. But we should leave our past and move forward. We are not to stay by our past as if it held everything that was precious for us. Sitting down by the graves, weeping unconsolably there. But we're to move forward in hope, in prayer, in trust, and knowing that God has greater things for us. We're to turn our faces ever to the future. Our past should be to us a seed plot in which grow a thousand beautiful things planted in the experience of days gone by. Paul exclaimed in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, and this was just after days of serving God, traveling thousands of miles, preaching the gospel, being beaten, being tortured, being persecuted, and yet when he thought about the wisdom and the knowledge of God in Christ, he said, oh, the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. When we live every day for Him, when we experience every day for Him, when we kneel by our bedside and pray, it just fills us to overflowing to see what God is doing in our life when we take that time to do it. But that means not looking at the world the way looking at the world or our life the way the world does. 
And I tell you what, if you spend all your time looking at Facebook or TikTok or Snapchat or CNN or Fox News or whatever one you look at, it's going to, it's going to bend your mind to look at the world the way the world does. And that's not the way God looks at the world. It's not the way God wants us to appreciate what He's done in this world. Nothing beautiful that faded or vanished in our past year is really lost to us if we have numbered our days aright. The old year's experiences will manifest themselves all on our future years. And they'll make them all the richer, all the sweeter, all the truer and fuller of life and holiness. And so my, my, my admonishment to you is to be like that person that Jesus described in Matthew chapter 13, 44-46. Where He talked about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy he goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field. He said, Lord... I." I'm going to sell everything else. I'm going to give everything else up because this is so precious to know you and to know God, to fear God, to be in His presence. That is true wisdom. Verse 45, he talks about the parable of the pearl of great value. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And you think about someone sailing from port to port, and he's looking at all the jewels that they have for sale. And finally, he comes to this one pearl of great value, and he went and sold everything that he had, and he bought that one pearl. And you know what that was? It was a knowledge of God. It was a knowledge of Christ. It was a knowledge and relationship with Him. And nothing, nothing in this world is as valuable and precious as that. And He gave everything else up for that. So the questions that remain are, what have I written on the pages of the last year? What has the past year brought to us? What have we given it to keep? What, what have we lived over again? Would we live it differently? What would we do that we have not done? What would we not do? Because I tell you, brothers and sisters, looking at my daddy, looking at my bishop, looking at my father-in-law, and thinking that I'm 52 and if I lived as long as my father-in-law, I'd have another 37 years, 20, 27 years. If I lived as long as my dad, I'd have another 33 years. That is such a short amount of time. That is so short. And some of us sitting here today, we don't realize that we may even have less than that. And Moses is admonishing us, number, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That every day would be considered precious. That every day would be that pearl of great price. And we sell everything else and we run after God and we say, Lord, here is my life. Help me to pour it out at the foot of Your cross in a way that honors You. I'll admit to you, there have been times I've wasted an hour at night looking at Facebook. Just kind of vegging out. You know, 
And I've gone back and I've looked at how many things I've scrolled through. And I'm like, what? how in the world? What time is it? So I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you this morning. God help us to spend more time pursuing Him in His Word and in prayer. Getting to know Him so that we can make every day valuable. So that we can make every day precious. So that we can lay those days at the foot of the cross and say to the Lord, Lord, here, I, I, I bought it back. I bought it back for you. Would you stand with me, please? Father in heaven, we we come before your throne this morning, and God, we thank you for life. We thank you, Lord God, for days that you've given us here on this earth. But Lord, those days, each one of them is precious. And I pray, God, that we, each one, would be a seed planted on fertile soil that would grow up and produce much fruit. For Lord, we know that Satan wants to cause our seed to be planted, to fall on rocky soil, to be burned up quickly in, in the, the pressures of this life or to be choked by the thorns and the cares of this life. Father, I pray, help us, God, to be a seed that, Lord, is planted in fertile soil and that others, like the Pentecostal Holiness Church and people in this church, as they poured into my life, as they, they, they gave into my life, Lord Jesus, and Lord, there's so much more fruit I could have given in my life. And, and there are days that I look back on and wish I had to live over again. And people that I wish I could have talked to again. And, and ways and that I wish I could have done things differently again. God, help us, dear Lord, to minimize those days by giving our lives to You, Lord, afresh and anew. To lay our lives at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, renew me. Refresh me. Fill me with Your Spirit again so that I can see the world that I'm living in as You see it. God, we pray. Help us, God, not to be distracted and taken away by the giants of this world, but help us, God, to know that You have a promised land before us and that You want to lead us into it. God, I pray, open those doors. In Jesus' name. Pastor Farrell, I'm going to turn service back on. Beautiful brother. Give your boy a hand. I feel uh, refocused in my own personal life. I feel challenged in my own personal life. And I'm glad he preached on Facebook because some of y'all needed that. Um... I uh, feel led to ask the Braswell family to come. Those of you who can, I know uh, we might want to get a chair for uh, Miss Josephine, but I'd like for the Braswell family who's here to come stand right here uh, in the middle of the altar, if you will. And uh, we want to pray for you all in our closing prayer today.
just want to minister to you as your church and some of you may be in other churches now but you know you got your your beginnings here and we still love you and we claim you we still claim you you're ours amen we got a chair coming thought that chair was for him. Sir. <laughs> church, will y'all come? Deacon board, uh, leaders of the church, will y'all come? I want to tell you what I'm going to do with this sermon. I, I say it before God. I say it before all of you. There was a lot more today than you could drink in. I felt like I was drinking out of a fire hydrant instead of a water fountain. So much word, so many biblical principles, so many things I didn't have time to write down that I want to quote him on saying. Do that, would you? I think you can do that on YouTube, you can do that on Facebook. Listen to this sermon. Listen to this sermon again. How many of y'all believe this sermon is worth listening to the second time, the third time? I'm telling you, it challenged me. It convicted me. Thank you, brother, for preaching the word today. Heavenly Father, I love this family. They're, They're family to me. They're family to me, Lord. I love them. They have blessed me. They have helped me. They've prayed for me. They've upheld me. They know me, warts and all. And they've loved me through it all. And now, God, I pray for them. I pray especially for Miss Josephine today. Lord, that she will come to know you in a way she's never known you as she leans on you in a way she's never leaned on you before. God, work in her mind and in her thoughts and in her musings, Lord. Bring back those wonderful times. Bring back those cherished moments. And Lord, just wrap your arms around her in the day and in the night and remind her, I am here, I'm here, I'm here. Lord, I know the enemy will come and, they, and he will say we're not worthy and we don't deserve it and, and we failed God many times. Who do we think we are? He is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Father, we pray for a, a, a covering of Miss Josephine's mind, her emotions, a strengthening of her body, a healing of her body. God, we pray for it. We ask you for it. We believe for it. Now, your will be done. Whatever brings you the most glory, that is the best thing. But Lord, we pray for her. We bring our request to you. It says in your word we can come boldly and make our request known. And that's what we're doing right now. And touch this mama and touch this wife and touch these children and these grandchildren. Lord, touch them, heal them, strengthen them, use them 
And Lord, when the enemy comes to draw them away, may they remember their daddy and their granddaddy. And remember his life and how he lived it. And give them a renewed confidence and a renewed faith and a renewed determination. I will follow God like my daddy. I will follow God like my granddaddy. I will not be led astray. I will not be led astray. I will not drift. I will not let the enemy cause me to drift. But I will live my life to the glory of God and the honor of my daddy, my granddaddy. We pray for it. We ask for it. We believe for it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. For his glory. For his glory. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. This family, I'm going to ask them if they will to just kind of hang around here for a little bit. I know folks want to speak to you. And uh, you all are dismissed. I'll be preaching tonight. It won't be this good, but I'll do the best I can. I'll be preaching tonight. We're, we're talking about what we believe, and we're on the doctrine of salvation. So be here tonight for that lesson. Okay, 6 o'clock. You're all dismissed. God bless you. Pentecostal Witness Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.